This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, taking a little turn today and doing something a little bit different. We're not going to talk about current events. We're going to talk about how to prepare for current events through the lens of scripture. Stick around. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around because we're going to laugh and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Well, hello there, guys. I am so pensive and thoughtful today and wanted to go in a little bit of a different direction um, with this podcast. It's a beautiful morning here in Tennessee and it's a little rainy. You might hear that in the background here and I'm sitting in my room and I just uh, got out of the shower and I, if you know me, you know that's when I do all my best thinking and um, praying and just listening for the Lord and oh my goodness gracious, did he speak loud and clear this morning. And I just wanted to share with you guys because I think right now there's such a spirit of anxiety and fear and um, people want to just ostrich and put their head in the sand and not pay attention and um, look the other way and, you know, walk in denial, which in some ways is walking in um, deception. And I, I want, I oftentimes talk to people about how do you handle all this information? How do you you know, internalize it or not internalize it? How do you process it? How do you prepare? What do you do with it? And this morning, as I was doing my Bible study and just kind of, um, you know, reading through some Psalms, it, I was reminded that oftentimes we go to God, we go to prayer, we go to the Bible looking for what it is that God wants us to do with what's going on in the world. And God reminded me this morning that God wants us to know who he is within what's going on in the world, right? And that's where our direction comes from. (laughs) That's where our peace comes from. That's where the answers come from. That's where we're able to to face the information, right? It's, It's in the knowledge and the security of his character, who he is, who he has always been, and what he is doing here. And what the Bible reminded me this morning is God is a just God. He is a just God. It is throughout scripture that he has a plan for those who turn their back on him. (laughs) He has a plan for the evil. He has a plan for Satan. And we don't, we don't need to worry about that because it's over and done. It's completed. He wins, y'all. <laughs> Good triumphs over evil in the end. And re- remembering that, remembering who he is, that he is a just God, allows us to look 
in the face of adversity and look look in to the evilness of this world and prepare our hearts and minds, right? I I do believe that God would have us look. I don't believe that he would have us turn our back on what's happening because he wants us to see it. He wants us to see how he is glorified in it. He wants us to point people to how he's glorified in it. And I don't believe that he wants us to just stand against what is bad and what is evil, but he wants us to stand for what is good. He wants us to stand and point to him in this trying time that is our world right now, right? And I do feel that so much of the decisions we're making, especially if you are a believer, we're, we're getting really lost in fear and our information and our decisions are being dictated by fear. You know, I, I will wear a mask because I want to, you know, I don't want to hurt someone else or I, you know, want to protect myself or I want to protect my grandma or I, I wear a mask because I don't want other people to think badly of me or think that I'm something that I'm not or I'm going to get the vaccine because I'm afraid of getting COVID again or I'm afraid of dying of that and blah, blah, blah. So much of what we're the, the way that we're coming to decisions in our life right now, the way that we're, we're choosing to act is dictated and informed by fear. And the Bible tells us again and again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We were not given a spirit of fear. That is not God directing your steps. If that is what is behind the mechanism of your decision, right? If that, if fear is driving your decisions in any way, I would challenge you to pause and say, hold the phone. That's not God. I don't have to be afraid of that. And let me, let me just remind you guys that there's nothing I can do, be it wear a mask, don't wear a mask, get a vaccine, jab, don't get a jab, that will change the plans that God has for me or for any other person walking the earth. If I don't get the jab, I will not, that decision will not result in the death of someone that God did not already plan for, right? We, We aren't going to operate outside of God's will. He is sovereign over all of it. So that to me is so great to remind myself of, that God is sovereign. Again, it's not what God would have me do. It's that I need to remember who God is. He is sovereign. And so I don't have to be afraid that my decisions, should I, should I not, should I do this, should I do not do this, will interfere with his sovereignty. It won't. So we're released from that. We're released from that. And this morning I was reminded again that it's not just about having a reason to live, right? In this world where we're fighting for life, we're afraid of dying, we're afraid of being sick, we're afraid of what people think, we're afraid, we're afraid, afraid. It's not just about having a reason to live, it's about having a reason to die. What a thought, right? I read that in um, uh, the book, Live Not By Lies this morning, which I'm slowly making my way through that. (laughs) So, Live Not By Lies. It said it's not just about facing adversity is you you it's not enough to just have a reason to live you also have to have a reason to die and oh my gosh did that smack me over the head this morning because we all have a reason to live 
I can look around. Of course, I want to cling to this life. I have three beautiful children. Of course, I want to be here for them. Of course, I'm going to make every choice I can in my life to, to stay here for as, in time and space on earth for as long as God would have me be here. But I also know and am released from this, I, from the, that trap of life is the best. Life is the best there is and there ever will be. I know that's not true. I know that eternal life is the best that there is and the best that there ever will be. And so I can, I don't mean to say hold loosely to life. That's not what I, that's what I'm saying, but that's not what I'm meaning entirely. Hopefully you understand what I'm saying. I can, I can release myself from the fear of what happens if I make the wrong choice because I can't make a choice that's outside of God's sovereignty. I can't make a choice that's outside of God's sovereignty. He knows every day of my life before I ever saw the light of day. He knew exactly the plan every day of my life was numbered. He knew it. He planned it ahead of time. That releases me. And that gives me not just a reason to live, but it gives me a reason to die, a reason to face the adversity in this world, a reason to be bold and brave, a reason to step outside of fear and to not have to be so consumed with what if, what if, what if, what if this happens, what if this happens, but it does allow me to take in that information and feel peace, a peace that defies understanding. Where does the peace that defies understanding come from? It comes from who he is, not from what he tells me to do. It comes from who he is. I have a peace that defies understanding. So I can look at what's happening around me and I can be prepared because I also believe that God does have that for us too, that he tells us, that he gives us the information ahead of time. If you look at scripture and you look at the Passover, right, in Exodus, he told them ahead of time what was going to happen and what he needed them to do to be prepared for the time that the angel of death was going to come through Egypt. He told them. He told them ahead of time. But y'all, if they were afraid, and man, did they have every reason to be afraid in that time, right? They were literally slaves in captivity. They had just endured so many plagues from the Lord. <laughs> I'm sure when I read about those plagues, I'm like, thank goodness they knew those were from the Lord because if they weren't paying attention and they didn't know that that was God's promise and provision for them, then that would have been really, really terrifying, right? But he told them ahead of time what he was going to do. And then he asked them to take some preparatory steps to be prepared for them to be passed over in the final plague, right? So God wants us, I believe, God wants us to pay attention to what is going on, not because necessarily of what he's going to tell us to do, although he is, but because of who he is, he wants us to pay attention to who he is, because that in the knowledge of who he is comes the direction for what we should do about it, for what we should do to prepare for the world around us. Because when I look at the world, I see some dark days coming. I know we're in some dark days, but y'all, I see dark days coming. More dark days, darker than we are walking in right now. And yes, sometimes it's overwhelming and it gives me fear and I feel anxiety over it and I feel overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. But you guys, 
that's when I go deep. That's when I go into prayer and that's when I go into the word. And again, I was reminded this morning not to look for what I should do about it. That's what I've been doing. That was my mistake recently as I've been looking to God and praying to God, what should I do? Guide my steps. Where, what would you have me do? And he reminded me, that's not the question I want you to ask. I want you to ask, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am, daughter? Because I am faithful. I am just. I am good. I am kind. I am gentle. I am patient. And I have a plan for all of this. And I have won all of this. The victory is already in my hands. And as the days get darker, I'm reminded that in the Bible, the days get darker at the end, right? And whether this is the end of the end of the end or not the end of the end of the end, isn't really doesn't really matter. The Bible tells us it's going to get dark. We will have suffering in this life. But he has overcome the world, right? We will face suffering that is promised, especially as Christians. And you guys, as Christians in America, we get off so easy. Oh, man. (laughs) My husband was saying yesterday, oh, it made me laugh. He's like, you know what's hard about being a Christian? And then he told me that something that wasn't really that hard in the grand scheme of comparing to um, the hard things that Christians have faced in this, uh, in this life. And I laughed and I said, you know what, honey, that's not the hard thing about being a Christian. But I think you're going to know. I think you're going to, you're not going to miss. You're not going to miss the hard thing about being a Christian when it gets here. You're going to notice it. You're going to see it. And I laughed because we think we're suffering. We think we're walking through hard times. Ah. Oh. We've been promised suffering and hard times, right? And we've been told ahead of time to persevere through them because that is what brings our character to full fruit, right? To fruition. Oh, I love that. I lo- there are so many promises in the Bible, again, of not what God would have us do or what he's going to do with us, but of who he is. Promises of his character, promises of his personality, promises of what he does for his people. And we can rest on that. We don't have to have fear. We don't have to have anxiety over any of that, right? A verse that has just been so circling my brain recently is uh, Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Y'all, that gives me such peace. It, again, doesn't point to what I need to do. It points to who he is. The suffering of this present time are not worth comparing. However bad the suffering is, it's not even worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So, oh man, the worse it gets, the, the darker it seems, the farther down the road of suffering we go. I'm reminded of that verse, Romans eight eighteen. It's not even comparable, no matter how bad it gets. It's not even comparable to the glory that will be revealed to us. Oh, that gives me such hope. Oh, that it makes me excited for what I don't yet know. And it it makes me go, you know what? Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm ready to stand. I'm ready to stand in my peace that defies understanding as I face the adversity of this world, as I stand against the evil that reigns, as I look the adversary in the face and say, no, you lose in the end. And no matter what happens here, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how dark it seems, it's not worth comparing 
to the glory that will be revealed to us by the God that I know is good and the God that I know wins in the end. Not worth comparing. So bring it on. I don't just have a reason to live. I have a reason to die or a reason to not fear death. I have a reason to believe that the best is yet to come, even though I'm looking down the barrel at things that look really dark and scary. I believe that the best is yet to come and there will be glory revealed to us that we cannot even imagine. It will be so good. The whole earth, all of creation will cry out and bow down to the creator who is good. That is the truth. So I do believe that we don't have to be victim to or trapped in fear. We can cast that away. We can let it go. The Bible says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. But I do believe we're supposed to be paying attention. I do believe we're supposed to be looking and seeing and preparing and reminding ourselves and other people of who is in control, who is sovereign, who is king of it all, so that we don't have to be afraid, but that we can be prepared and we can see what he's doing so that we can position ourselves to be in his providence. We do need to pay attention. We can't pull an ostrich. (laughs) We can't pull an ostrich in the season. Guys, you guys have just got to read, especially in this time, this book, Live Not By Lies. I know I've recommended it before. It's by Rod Dreher. D-R-E-H-E-R. And it's so good. The subtitle is A Manual for Christian Dissidents. So good. And he, he overlays the historical lens of the Bolshevik takeover in Russia of what's happening here in the United States right now. And he wrote it last year in 2020. He talks about social justice and what, I mean, those parallels and the soft totalitarianism that we're already living under here. You guys, when you read this book, it's, it, again, it is, gives me anxiety a little bit. It gives me a little bit of fear because I'm like, oh my gosh, what I think, what I fear is, is happening is happening. It is. So again, as you read it, as you think these thoughts, as you learn about the things that are going on in the world, Focus more on who he is. And from that, from there, you will know what you're to do about it. But he has all this information and these um, examples. Um, Each chapter ends with see, judge, act. Because he says, we have to see. We have to be paying attention. We have to judge what to do about what is happening. And then we have to act. We have to act. There is... A role for us to play both in standing against and in just standing, um, living not by lies. He talks about that a lot, that you may not be in a position where you can speak truth, but you can always, no matter where you stand in life, live not by lies. You can always refuse to agree with the lie that you know flies in the face of the God who is good, flies in the face of scripture. You know, and I did a, a podcast about the war on truth right now, the war on um, God's truth, right? In this, in this world, it is on all fronts. It is on all fronts. And I'm also studying Revelation because what better time, right? And I'm reading uh, Christ-centered exposition, exalting Jesus in Revelation. The author is Daniel Aiken. 
And, uh, oh man, he talks about, there's so much good stuff, just understanding revelation, which is such a crazy thing. Um, but I'm going to read just a little bit from it. And this is in regard to revelation two, 12 through 17. He talks about, um, the greatest dangers are almost never from outside. They're always on the inside. And he's talking about on the inside of the church, on the inside of the Christians, the enemy really is within. He says, the toxin is easy to identify with a simple word. The toxin within our church, within our Christian minds and hearts is compromise. Nothing will poison the body of Christ like the poison called compromise. And this is what I mean when I say, live not by lies. Don't compromise the truth of God, the truth of scripture, the truth of the character of God because of what the world or what culture is pushing. Uh, It says, it goes on to say, indeed, something is seriously wrong when Christians begin to compromise the truth to accommodate the culture and the world in which they live. Such compromise may be theological or moral. And as I look around, you guys, that's what I see all over the place. The church is compromising. The church is meant to be countercultural, especially in the end, right? It's meant to be countercultural. We're meant to go against we're meant to go against. We're not meant to go with the flow. And in in the end, that is exactly where Satan has positioned the church. Compromising. Weakened. Trying to do what's right in the eyes of man. Right? In our own eyes, as the Bible says. So the book Lived Not By Lies gives us a guide. It gives us a chance. It gives us a reminder to see what's happening in the world judge it against scripture. Is it the truth of God? Does it align with his character, his sovereignty? And then act if it doesn't. And if acting simply means to live not by lies, then stand there. But if it means to stand against the lie, then do that. And this little nugget, I loved it. And I wanted to share. Um, It's just a simple thing. And it's to strengthen the family. What a thought. What a what an excellent way to prepare in this time. And again, a place where I see the church compromising. Y'all, our I believe that our divorce rate within the church is worse than the secular world. A, a believer gets divorced more frequently than a non-believer. You guys, we've got to be countercultural in that even. But I'm going to read from this book, Live Not by Lies, here for a sec. In the coming soft totalitarianism, Christians will have to regard family life in a much more focused, serious way. The traditional Christian family is not merely a good idea. It is also a survival strategy for the faith in a time of persecution. Christians should stop taking family life for granted, instead approaching it in a more thoughtful, disciplined way. We cannot simply live as all other families live, except that we go to church on Sunday. Holding the correct theological beliefs and having the right intentions will not be enough. Christian parents must must be intentionally countercultural in their approach to family dynamics. The days of living like everybody else and hoping our children turn out for the best are over. Y'all, that's our prep right now. That's our preparation. As we look at the world and we fight the spirit of fear, fight against it, We must remember to live not by lies, and that is the step we can take. 
strengthen our family, strengthen our children, strengthen our bond with our spouses, strengthen our bond with our kids, whether they're adults or under our roof, strengthen our bonds with our grandkids. If that means picking up the phone, making a plan to talk regularly, then do that. If that means picking up your life and moving closer to your family unit, then do that. Then do that. Whatever brings the bond. If that means taking your kids out of school, out of the idolatry of public education and higher education, I gotta, I'm just going to say it. I do not wish that my children would go to college. Don't wish it. I am preparing them for it in the event that that is the career that they end up taking and it, they cannot. My daughter wants to be a veterinarian. Okay. Can't really avoid college for that one, I suppose. If she, she's nine. So honestly, I'm hoping that there's some other animal, something that falls on her heart that would require her, um, not to go to college. Yes. I feel very strongly about higher education, the idolatry in our culture, the idolatry in our church over higher education. And the, the, not only does it not bring the value that is like associated with that idolatry, but it brings massive debt and it brings indoctrination away from God. I mean, you can't say that higher education may be in a private Christian school, but even in those private Christian schools, I'm talking to those parents and I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed. So yes, if it means moving your child away from the, again, we gotta be countercultural as parents. Culture says you gotta go to college. I say, no, you don't. Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> Bible doesn't say you have to go to, go to college. Bible doesn't say... We, I did a whole podcast about homeschooling and the Bible doesn't say anything about government should be in charge of, of um, educating your children. That actually falls most heavily in scripture on the father and secondary, the family as a whole. It doesn't fall on the government to educate your children. God calls you, us, the family, to educate. And then second or third to that, father first, family second, third, church, not third, government. Doesn't, government never comes into play as to who should be educating your child. So if this is how you prepare, if that's the only step you can take, if that's the only way you can turn your fear into action, then do that. Take the steps to strengthen your family unit. Be the, I want to be the most important influence second to God in my children's life. Absolutely hands down. I don't ever want another friend or teacher or family member to be more of an influence, God first, mom and dad second, period, end of story, and then way below that, any other influence of another adult or another friend or whatever. I want to be, when I say I want to be my child's friend, I mean I want them to regard what I say more than their own friends. I want to have that foothold in my my family's life. That's how I prepare. That's how I fight the spirit of fear. That's how I fight the anxiety. And I do believe that aligns with scripture, right? So there are ways that we can take action in this time and there are ways that we can fight fear, but I don't think that one of the ways is to look away, to bury our face, to hide in the sand, to not face it because we won't be prepared. God's giving us hints. He's showing us what he's doing and it's not about, again, he's showing us what he's doing and the steps we need to take come from remembering who he is. 
who he is and where we can find that information, which is in scripture. So I hope y'all that this was encouraging to you. I hope that you do take a more active role in paying attention to what's going on in this world. And if it frightens you, then remember who God is. And if you feel anxiety, then remember who God is because he wins in the end. We don't need to face it with a spirit of fear, but we do need to face it so that we can be prepared because he's giving us all the hints we would ever need as to what to do and how to be countercultural so that we can be prepared to stand. Not just having a reason to live, but also having a reason to die and making sure our children know that too. Thanks guys. I hope that was helpful. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today as I pray every day for the reminder of your sovereignty that we would know that you are in control and that the victory is yours and that we would face everything that's happening without that spirit of fear, but with confidence, not in what you're telling us to do rather than what, who you are, Lord. Let us remember who you are and take our marching orders from that truth. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.